All right. So um, we didn't have a separate candle lighting for Advent today. Today's Christmas Eve day uh, because we chose to light all of the candles last night. We did Christmas Eve Eve service. How many of you were here last night? Yay, and you're back. You guys are awesome. Um, but the, the Advent wreath reminds us that Jesus didn't just appear on the scene and say, hey, I'm the son of God, believe in me. No, there, were te- there was testimony all the way around. There was the testimony of the prophets, and that was the first candle, and so we think of hope. And then there was the testimony of the angels, and th- then we think of peace. In fact, every time an angel showed up, people were terrified, and he always had to say, peace, peace, right? And then there is the testimony of the shepherds uh, who the angels appeared to and uh, said, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And so that is the joy candle testimony, the shepherds. And then, oh, see, I should have started here, I guess. No, I'm sorry. I should have gone this way. I was going, yeah, never mind. I was going counterclockwise. I needed to go clockwise. This is hope. This is peace. This is joy. And then that one last night is love. And that's the testimony of the wise men. And I'm going to talk about that today. And then there's the Christ candle, which is usually lit on Christmas, uh, Christmas day. But since we're not Catholics and we don't like to go to church all the time on the holidays, um, have you ever seen a Catholic church at Christmas time? Buddy, they're about it. I mean, Christmas and Easter, they are there. And we're like, yeah, well, I got five things to do and I'm not sure if I can be there. Um, but they were the ones that came up with the, the whole idea of Advent, lighting these candles and the colors of the candles and all of those things. But I just want you to see that we're trying to focus your attention on Jesus as the reason for this season. There are so many other distractions that are there. Uh, Today, I had another message planned. I had all the notes laid out. And then as I was thinking about it and praying about it, I decided to switch directions and talk about the Christmas star. Do you know what the Christmas star is? You know what the Christmas star means? No, you don't? Okay. Well, let's take a look at the passage of scripture that refers to the Christmas star, the star of Bethlehem. Uh, This is Matthew chapter two, and uh, I'm going to read verses one through 12 from the New Living Translation. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. Bethlehem was the little town. Judea was the surrounding state, we might call it, during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men, the term here is magi, from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. There's the star. Verse three, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And now he quotes from um, Malachi. Uh, from Micah, excuse me. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come forth from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them, them the time the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. 
When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Well, we find out why in the next verses. Herod uh, tried to eliminate Jesus by uh, destroying all of the babies. But let's take a look at this star of Bethlehem. Um, Believe it or not, this is a possible way to figure out exactly when Jesus was born. Well, we say, well, we know. We celebrate his birth on December the 25th. But as I mentioned last week, and for the benefit of the kids that were not down here last week, Jesus was probably not born on December 25th. Uh Uh-oh, what's going on here? That doesn't mean he wasn't born. In fact, what I want you to see today is that scripture is so based in history that we're talking about a real historical person, not some mythological figure, right? We're not talking about someone like the Greek gods or the Roman gods or something like that. We're not talking about someone like, you know, a superhero in a movie. We're talking about a real flesh and blood person who came to earth as God in skin, God incarnate, God as a man. And he was born, really actually physically born, and placed in a feeding trough. That's what a manger is. Um, I have like those little uh, ceramic uh, statues out there in the front. But normally, uh, until I bought those, we have this huge wooden manger that we used to bring out there. Do you guys remember that? Big wooden manger and throw hay down in it and all of that other kind of stuff. Um, That's where they laid Jesus because, as we discover in Luke's gospel, there was no room for them in, it's, a lot of the translations say in the inn, I-N-N, like it's a little hotel, but in all likelihood, the the Greek term is kataluma, and it just refers to a guest room. Now, this could have been a guest room that would have been available to travelers, or it could have been a guest room like an upper room in a house. One way or the other, Jesus came to earth and there wasn't even any room for him. Don't jostle the camera, kid. All right. There wasn't any room for him. There was no innkeeper, by the way. You know, we always have the gruff innkeeper. There's no room. Go out there and throw your baby in a manger. All right. There was no innkeeper. We have lots and lots of interesting little tidbits that come from the Christmas story that don't come from the Bible. Um, I actually have a video that I almost played tonight that tries to go through and debunk a lot of those myths. But I think what we need to do is we hang on to the the mythological telling of the story and we lose the, the actual historical details. And then when somebody comes to us and says, oh, wait a minute, no, Jesus, all that stuff's just fake. Look, this isn't real, this isn't real. So one of the ways that people that don't believe in Jesus will try to get you to not believe in Jesus is by saying, well, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. Right? There was actually a Roman uh, pagan festival on that day called Saturnalia, which uh, was a, the celebration of a, an ancient Roman god. Uh, Saturn in the Roman mythology was Kronos in the Greek mythology, right? And he was the father of, now again, this is mythology. This is a story, okay? Um, Kronos or Saturn was the father of who? Zeus, or what is Zeus's Roman name? Jupiter. And they shortened it to Jove. By Jove. Have you heard that? All right. By Jove, I say to you. Right. That's Jove or Jupiter was the chief of the gods. There's Roman mythology. This will come into our story here in just a moment, though, because our planets are named after Roman gods. Right. Venus. 
Mercury. Mars. Who was Mars? Mars was the god of war in, in mythology. Who was Mercury? Mercury was the messenger god in um, Roman and Greek mythology. Okay? And then we have Jupiter and we have Saturn. We have the father and the son, Saturn being the father, Jupiter being the son, right? I don't mean S-U-N, I mean in mythology that Jupiter was Saturn's offspring, right? And he becomes the chief of the gods. Just remember that, that's mythology. Jesus is history. Jesus was actually born, but he was not in all likelihood born on December the 25th. Now I can't say with certainty, um, but I will tell you this, they really weren't interested in observing birthdays back then. In fact, um, I put a quote on my, uh, on my Facebook page. Uh, there was a period of time when Protestant churches were absolutely opposed to celebrating Christmas. Were you aware of this? They hated it. They thought it was terrible. They thought it was papist. That means that they were, they were pushing against the Catholic church. And they thought it was too Catholic. And they didn't want to have anything to do with it. Well, it Christmas has always had a lot of pagan celebrations surrounding it. What Christians have typically done is we go in, we see this great celebration, and then we endow it, we imbue it with meaning that comes from Christ, right? So there was a celebration called Saturnalia, and it was on December the 25th. And Christians came along and said, we're not going to celebrate some mythological figure. We want to celebrate our Savior. That's Jesus. Okay, so... Let's get back into the star because the star can tell us a, a, a great deal, I think, about Jesus. Um, it is a possible way to date Jesus' birth. Now, in Luke, we find that the shepherds were out keeping watch over their flocks by night. They wouldn't have done that in December. It's too cold. They would have put their sheep in a, uh, in a pen so that they could all be together and stay warm. The only time that they would have been doing that would have been in the, in the spring and in the summer. So it is unlikely and improbable, in fact, that Jesus was born in a winter month. Now, does that do anything to the historicity of Jesus? No, it doesn't. Continue on with me, right? Um, the star of Bethlehem is a possible way to date Jesus' birth. It was unusual, or the magi, that's what the wise men are called, by the way, they were magi. Now, what were magi? Um, astrology is something we know today to be kind of hokey, weird, you know, the stars and here's your, you know, your sign is this. I'm a, you know, Bob, I'm a Pisces and, you know, I'm getting my horoscope for the day and all this. But this was a serious study for these people back in the day. So they would have been from the region of Babylon and or Persia, what is today Iraq and Iran. And there was an actual school that these guys went through to study the stars. So what they did was kind of a cross between astronomy and astrology, right? They really did look at the stars. They watched the movement of the stars. They were very serious about that, but they attached real deep meanings to these things. Now, when we say the stars, you and I have a, a very specific idea of what a star is. A star is like our sun. These are all gaseous balls, right? Um, but for these folks, 
any loon, any uh, body in the sky could have been considered a star. A comet could have been considered a star. A planet could have been considered a star. These they would have used that term to reference all of those. Okay, so magi were actually also a religious group. They were a priestly group in Persia, according to Herodotus. Um, in the sixth century BC, they were associated with astronomy and astrology, which was a core educational subject in the ancient world. We can look at Plato's Republic. We can also see that in Philo, uh, he stated a belief that the stars offer, quote, timely signs of coming events because the stars were made for signs. And that's a reference to Genesis 1.14. There's also a tradition that the Magi came from Arabia. So this is, uh, this is an outside possibility. Um, Justin Martyr said this in AD 160, Clement of Rome in AD 96 considered frankincense of myrrh to have originated from near Arabia. So the three kings were actually wise men. Were there three? We don't know. Why do we say three? There were three gifts. What were the three gifts? Okay. Have you seen that meme where the, the, the three kings or three wise men are, are gathered together and, you know, one of them has like a bag of gold and the other one has like, you know, this, uh, this, this myrrh in this jar and then the other one has a Frankenstein monster standing next to him. He said, what did you bring? Right. It's not gold, Frankenstein and myrrh. Frankincense was incense. It was very, very uh, highly prized back then. And these would represent the gifts that you would give to a king, gold. Frankincense would be a gift that you would give to a priest, okay? And then myrrh was actually a burial spice, a very expensive burial spice. So it foreshadows the fact that Jesus wouldn't just be born as a baby in the manger, but that he had also come uh, to die for us. Okay, it was common for Magi to visit kings. It was a regular practice in the ancient world. There are numerous references in the literature of the time. Uh, Tredates, the king of, Ar of Armenia, led Magi to pay homage to Nero, who is a horrible emperor, by the way, in AD uh, 66. Um, so let's think about uh, another thing. We always see uh, the Magi gathered around the manger uh, so when you think of a manger scene, right? Out there, all I have is Jesus in the manger and Joseph and Mary. But when you think of a manger scene, what are the characters that you put around the manger scene? Shepherds, a donkey, all right? Two sheep, okay, two sheep, just two. The little drummer boy? Yeah, no, that's not in the Bible either. There would have been shepherds, uh, Jesus was in a manger, so it is likely that there would have been animals. Uh, this could have been, uh, this place where Jesus was born could have been a part of a house, actually, where they kept their animals. Or there was a, there would have been a communal place right out in the, the, the town square that had stalls all the way around it where people could store their animals, right? So one way or the other, there were probably animals that were present. Uh, there is an outside possibility that it could have been a cave. It was common for them to dig a hole uh, in the side of a hill and use that uh, as a way to feed their animals and keep them out of the weather and so forth. But one way or the other, um, Jesus is in this, this stall, this place where animals are kept, and we know the shepherds came and visited him, but the Magi did not show up until later. Now, how do we know this? 
when Jesus, uh, when they find where Jesus is, they find he's in Bethlehem, okay? Um, it says that they arrived, hang on, let me find the verse. Verse 11, well, let's start with 10. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. Wait a minute, what just happened? I thought they were in a stall, right? And now they're in a house. Then we get later on, we get further down in the passage part that I didn't read, and Herod is furious that the Magi didn't return to him, and so he sends soldiers to Bethlehem to kill all of the babies under the age of what? Why would he say that? It says, in accordance with the time that the Magi said they saw the star. So there was some sort of signal in the sky, in, in space, that alerted these Magi, these astrologers, that there was a king that was going to be born uh, as the king of the Jews. And so they started on their journey at the point in time when they saw that uh, appear in the sky. How long would it have taken them to get from Persia, let's say, Iraq, Iran, right around there, and go around the Arabian desert and come all the way uh, to Israel? It would have taken them one to two months for that journey. A fully loaded camel can travel 50 miles a day comfortably. Can you believe that? Camels are amazing. They are amazing animals. They can go for a long period of time on water that they store in their bodies. They can travel 50 miles a day fully loaded down. It's awesome. Um, so it's 900 miles from Babylon to Jerusalem going around the Arabian Desert. So a journey of 18 days without stopping would have been necessary. Well, surely they stopped along the way and rested, okay? So what might have alerted them to start that journey? Did they start the journey right when Jesus was born or could there have been something in the sky, the, the, the star in the sky that said, hey guys, this is really amazing, okay? The king of the Jews is gonna be born. Well, this is very interesting. In 7 BC, a theory dating back to um, Allah in AD 8, uh, in the AD 8th century, Saturn is the father of Jupiter, the chief of the gods, and there was a conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter. And they took that to mean that there would be a great king that would be born. Do you remember who I said Jupiter was in Roman mythology? He was the king of the gods. Are you following what could have alerted them way back, even, you know, it could have been up to a year before Jesus was born, that there was something that was going to happen? Well, there's a great likelihood that the star of Bethlehem was actually a comet, right? You guys know what a comet is, right? Um, it's, a, it's like a, a flaming ball that travels through the sky. The comet that we're most familiar with is probably what? Halley's Comet, because it comes around, you know, and you see it in the sky periodically. Um, okay, so let's think about this. A comet has a tail, right? It can appear as though it's pointing to something, right? It's got a head, it's got a tail, it can appear that it is pointing to something. So, Let's say that a comet, or they see a comet 
on its way toward Earth with its tail moving away. And they follow the comet. Then it reaches what is called perihelion. Perihelion is where you lose sight of it in the sun. And it's this, at this point that the comet's orbit is closest to the sun, and then it turns around and starts traveling the other direction. So could the Magi have seen a comet on the way toward perihelion, which led them to Jerusalem, then lost sight of it in the sun, which led them to ask Herod and find out where the Messiah would be born, and then they regained sight as the comet came back into view while traveling from the earth. Well, Dio Cassius, a Roman historian, reveals a comet that appeared in 12 BC. Uh, this is in his Roman history. And seemed to stand over the city of Rome. This was likely Halley's Comet. And this timing would agree with what one person thought was the, the year that Jesus was born, which would be pretty early, actually, right? Um, but um, the, there is another comet that we need to look at that is not uh, as commonly known. And that, common, that comet was, uh, was spoken of actually in material that comes out of China, right? Um, having effectively eliminated the comets of 12 BC and 4 BC, there was another one in 4 BC, as possible candidates for the star of Bethlehem, we note that on, the only possibility is the comet of 5 BC, the description of this is in the Chinese uh, Han Shu, the official history of the former Han dynasty, on which uh, Ho Peng Yoke depends, and it as follows. Second year of Qi Peng reign, period and months, 5 BC, March 9 to April 6th, a Su Sing appeared in Qian Nu for over 70 days. The passage of the Han Shu includes what is termed a traditional comment relating to this 5 BC as follows, all right? Um, so there was a 5 BC comet. Let's back up. When was Jesus born? Well, if we, if we look at our, I don't mean what day, I mean what year. When we look at our calendar, um, the entire calendar is predicated on Jesus splitting time, right? I told you this last week, but there was a monk by the name of Dionysius Exiguus who recalculated and recalibrated the calendar in the mid-6th century, like 525 AD. And he made the calendar focus on the birth of Jesus. So BC originally stood for what? Before Christ. AD stood for what? Say Anno Domini, right? That's Latin for year of our Lord. So here's what happened. Dionysius Exiguus tries to calculate this. And by the time he comes along, and this is in the mid sixth century, the church has already landed on December the 25th as being the day Jesus was born, right? So it doesn't go all the way back, but it goes pretty early. Uh, the mid-4th century is when the church started observing Christmas in a limited way on December the 25th. So what he did is he took the eight days between the time Jesus was born and the time he was presented in the temple, and that would be January the 1st. And that's why the, the, the year restarts on January the 1st. It's eight days, okay? So... Um, now you understand. This is where this is where the 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 AD and the BC come from, and and where we get the December twenty fifth and the January first and all of that kind of stuff. Okay, Let's figure out exactly.
happen. A conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter in 7 BC could well have contributed to the expectation of the Magi that something portentous was going to occur. Saturn represented the divine father and Jupiter his son. The conjunction took place in the constellation Pisces, which was associated with Israel. The conjunction happened three times in May, October, and December of 7 BC. The message they interpreted was this, a Messiah-like king will be born in Israel. As if to provide more confirmation, Mars joined the conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter in 6 BC, and Mars represented war, so the coming king would be a mighty one. So, if Jesus was born in the spring, in March or April of 5 BC, and that's when this 5 BC comet would have been uh, visible. Then the Magi could have traveled to Jerusalem by the summer. If they spoke to Herod about the constellation of Jupiter and Saturn in 7 BC, this would have caused him to err on the side of caution and kill all of the babies from two years down. Jesus would not have been born less than six weeks before the visit of the Magi. The most probable sequence of events in Matthew and Luke is birth, visit of the shepherds, presentation of Jesus in the temple, eight days later, return to Bethlehem to stay at a house, and then the visit of the Magi, okay? Um, So if the comet hypothesis is accurate, then Jesus was born in March or April of 5 BC at earliest, March 9th and the latest May 4th. Why does it have to be 5 BC? Because who was the king in Jerusalem when Jesus was born? Herod. Herod died in 4 BC. This is how we know that our friend Dionysius Exiguus was inaccurate in his calculation of the recalibration of the, temp- of the, the calendar. Okay? So it sounds weird to say Jesus was born five years before he was born, but it just means that the person that calculated the calendar calculated it inaccurately, right? So the comet could give us this information that this real historical person, this portentous person was born in Bethlehem somewhere between March and May of 5 BC. It means he could have been born on my birthday, bro. He could have been born on your birthday. Who else has a March birthday? He could have been born on your birthday. Who has an April birthday? Could have been born on your birthday. All right, you never know. So let's add more information. The census. Fifth century AD historian Orosius indicates uh, Augustus ordered a census be taken of each province primarily to provide allegiance to Caesar Augustus. This is the earliest and most public acknowledgement which marked Christ as the first of all men, he says, and the Romans as lords of the world, since this, in this one name of Caesar, all the peoples of the great nations took an oath and through participation in the census were made part of one society. Why does the census matter? What does Luke say? Luke says that there was a census that was taken under Caesar Augustus and everybody in the known world was told to go back to their home. Do you see how we're bringing all these threads together? Okay, so we have the comet and then we have the census and we have the knowledge that Jesus would have been born in the spring if the shepherds were keeping watch over the flocks by night. All right, so um, by way of more specific information, the earliest mention of December 25th as the birth of Jesus is in the Philokalian calendar representing the Roman practice of the year 336. That's close to the mid-4th century, which states, Natus Christus in 
Bethlehem, Judea. During the consulship of Augustus Caesar and Paulus, our Lord Jesus Christ was born on the 8th before the calends of January 25th. For this was, they were in the Julian calendar, so this would have been our December 25th, a Friday in the 14th day of the moon, right? Christmas also occurs in a Roman calendar known as the Chronographus Ani. Um, Sol Invictus had been on that day. That's the, the celebration of the invincible sun. And Christmas replaced it. So there were a number of celebrations that were associated around December 25th, pagan celebrations. Sol Invictus was actually the god Mithra, and it uh, gained popularity after Jesus. But the Romans were always trying to push the Christians out. They didn't want the, the Christians to be seen or known uh, as, as uh, purveyors of the truth. They didn't want the Christian God. So they tried to introduce uh, celebrations like Sol Invictus to replace Christianity, to replace Jesus, and the reverse happened, right? So there are those, and you may read this, that would say, no, Jesus is just like a, uh, you know, he's mythological, and they just took over all of these other uh, pagan gods, and they dragged that into Christianity. Uh, Mithra was born born in a cave. Jesus was born in a cave. Mithra was born on the, the 25th. Jesus was born on the... First of all, Mithra wasn't born, right? Um, secondly, Jesus wasn't born in a cave unless one uh, speculation is accurate. And thirdly, Jesus wasn't even born on, on December the 25th, okay? Um, so uh, the historian that I consulted when I put all this together says this, the earliest possible date for the birth of Christ can be deduced from Luke 3.23, which states that he was about 30 when he started his ministry, which commenced with his baptism by John the Baptist. Luke 3.1 and 2 carefully states that the ministry of John the Baptist started in the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar. Depending on whether Luke used the Julian calendar, that came from Julius Caesar, or the Roman regnal calendar, uh, yearly calendar, the 15th of Tiberius was 1st of January uh, to the 31st of December, AD 29, or autumn, AD 28 and 29, respectively. The Lucan term, that is the term that Luke uses, uh, about 30, that Jesus was approximately 30, is a broad term covering any actual age range from 26 to 34. Thus, the earliest possible year for the birth of Christ is obtained by subtracting 34 years from 28, AD 28, giving 7 BC. So 7 BC is the earliest date he could have been born. Hence, we can rule out as being too early for the star of Bethlehem, the comet of 12 BC, that was the Halley's comet, um, and we are we arrive back at the most plausible comet being this 5 BC comet that's mentioned in the Chinese literature, right? The latest possible year for the birth of Christ is given by the date of the death of King Herod the Great. Since Matthew 2.1 states that Herod was king when the star was seen by the Magi, the generally accepted date for the death of Herod the Great was the spring of 4 BC. So, I think that this is very credible. I've given you a lot of historical information today. I hope this is interesting to you. It is to me. Um, but this is, a, this is the way this fellow laid it out. And he just really, really went into great detail, far more detail than I've, I've laid out here. But this is based on this idea that the star of Bethlehem was a comet and it may well have been this comet in 5 BC, okay? So the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem um, would have been in 5 BC between March 9th at the earliest and May 4th at the latest. The visit of the shepherds would have been between Mar March 9th and May 4th. 
the circumcision, this presentation in the temple on the eighth day would have been between March 16th and May 11th. That means it could have been any, any time during that period, right? The presentation of Jesus at the temple in Jerusalem after 40 days from the birth, then his return to Bethlehem would have been between April 18th and June 13th. The visit of the Magi wouldn't have come until April 20th to June 15th. So uh, I wrote a couple of different plays about Christmas. And in one of them, uh, we presented Jesus as a baby. And then we presented Jesus as a toddler. And who played toddler Jesus? That guy right there that's asleep. He hadn't been walking very long uh, when he played that part. And in order to get him to come down the aisle, because there was this big scene at the end where toddler Jesus walks down. I've got this great picture of Asher. Um, His mom made him like this little shepherd's robe and everything. It's just, you were a cute baby. All right. He comes walking, he comes walking down the aisle and we had to give uh, Chris Bazzioni a banana because Asher loved bananas. And Asher was like a little monkey. When he saw that banana, he was, ooh, he wanted to come down there. And uh, Bods, that's what we call him, also had a beard at the time. And you were in love with hair. I don't know what your deal was. You had an obsession with hair. And so, you know, Bods would pick him up and he would like put his hand on, uh, on Bods' beard. Yeah, you played toddler Jesus. Because the Magi, the wise men, would not have come until sometime later. And this fellow is seeing it as being, you know, maybe, uh, you know, three weeks later roughly speaking, okay? Um, So then they hear of, because the angel speaks to Joseph in a dream and says that uh, he needs to get out of there because Herod wants to kill the baby. So they make make a run for Egypt. That would have happened uh, in 5 BC, late April to mid-June. And then Herod dies at the end of March in 4 BC. They return from Egypt to Nazareth in 3 BC, okay? Okay. And this is when it gets a little bit more specific. Um, Jesus would have been baptized when he was about 33 years old, and this would have been the autumn of AD 29. And then here's where we have even more specific information because we know that Jesus was crucified during Passover, okay? So in the Passover of AD 33, on April 3, Jesus would have been crucified and then risen from the dead uh, on the third day after that. So now you have all of this information. Now, a good bit of this is speculation, but it is speculation based on actual historical data, not hysterical speculation. So when you have people that come up against you and try to make you think that, you know, this is just a nice story and you know what, there were no, there were no magi there and it wasn't December 25th and Jesus was born in a cave and that was a myth around blah, 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 blah. When you get Back to the original information, you see that it validates and verifies what the Gospels tell us all along. Now, you don't have to believe that it was this comet in 5 BC that was the star of Bethlehem. Just know that God prepared providentially or completely supernaturally a way to lead the Magi who were observing the skies to come and worship the Lord Jesus. How did the Lord lead you here last night and or this morning? What was your compunction? What was your uh, compulsion? What brought you here? Something, something motivated you to come, right? And God is constantly working through the circumstances of your life. He's constantly working in the environment around you to try to speak to you, just like he did the Magi. Listen, 
the first Bible? Nature is the first Bible. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament his praise. So God is constantly trying to speak to you. All you need to do is pay attention.